Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Well, it's great to be with you this morning and to have the opportunity and also the privilege to <clears throat> share the Word of God with you. So we're following on on our theme, following Jesus in all of life, and we're in John 10 this morning, and the, the passage we're going to look at is in uh, John 10, verse 11 to 18, where Jesus describes himself as the Good Shepherd. So let's just read that uh, first of all. John 10, verse 11 to 18, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. He owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. <clears throat> no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority, authority to lay it down, to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Another verse down at verse 27, I have it on the screen, but this is where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. This text today is, uh, to me, a, a very wonderful, rich, and precious text where Jesus identifies himself as the Good Shepherd. Dave uh, spoke last week uh, about how uh, Jesus' teaching in John's Gospel is all around the feasts, uh, and that's a great study in themselves. Um, I make a bold statement sometimes, and I say you, you can only really understand the, the person, the worth, and the value of Jesus uh, fully by studying the feasts of Jehovah. Great study, because they all picture a picture and a portrayal of Jesus. And here, um, uh, this uh, discussion that Jesus is having is around the around the, the Feast of Dedication, um, Hanukkah, I think it's, it's called. And uh, you understand that uh, at feast time, Jerusalem would have been crammed full of, of Jewish people. They'd be there in their thousands, and here is Jesus in the midst of them. And Jesus often takes the objects uh, and themes from Judaism, and uses them to teach the people. He wants to teach them who 
who he is and what he is, is really like. And here he uses the theme from shepherding. He talks about a shepherd. He talks about his sheep. He talks about a fold. He talks about leading the sheep with his call, with a call. And so the context here is uh, in John 10 happens at, as I say, this time of this feast of dedication, Hanukkah. And this feast of dedication was a um, festival. Jews loved their festivals. And this was a festival where the Jewish people remembered the atrocities that were committed to them under uh, the field leadership, field leadership and, and bad shepherding. Uh, when they were um, invaded by the Greek ruler Antiochus IV Epiphanes. And that was during the sort of a intertestamental period. In other words, the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that 400 years. And um, under these uh, corrupt kings uh, and these uh, bad leaders, uh, the Jewish people were led away from the true worship of God, and they were led into the worship of Greek gods and Greek idols. But historically, we're told that a, a band of rebels led by um, Judas Maccabees took back Jerusalem and restored the temple. The temple was cleansed and rededicated to God. And here Jesus is in the midst of all these, uh, these Jews with all their um, traditions, with all their rituals, and with all their rules. And here's Jesus, picture him in the midst of them. And here he stamps his authority, his unique authority, uh, and his identity as the Son of God. And this is expressed in sayings which begin with the words, I am. The Greek in it is, I've written it down here, ego emini. Ego emi. And it's a, a phenomenon uh, most frequently seen in John's gospel. And for Jews who knew their Bibles, and the Jews took pride in knowing the scriptures, and the Jews who knew their Bibles well, the force of these sayings, I am, would have been clear because Jesus was saying, in effect, I am God. He was making that bold statement. Jesus was saying, in hearing me and the things that I see, say, you're actually hearing God and what God says. See, in John 8, verse 24 to 25, Jesus was responding to the Pharisees' question. Yeah? And that question was in the middle of those verses there, who are you? In other words, they were saying, who do you think you are? Making statements like that. Who do you think that you are? You see, they had been bragging about uh, their heritage uh, and their descendants uh, from Abraham. That was what they took uh, great pride in. Down in verse 56 then of John, 
Here's Jesus' reply. He says, Your father Abram rejoiced in the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. But you're not 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. So the violent, the violent response of these Jews to Jesus' I am statement indicates, doesn't it, that they clearly understood uh, what he was saying and what he was declaring, that he was the eternal God, that he was equating himself with the I am of God. We're back in the book of Exodus chapter 3. Jesus was saying, and, and Jesus was equating himself to the God, the I am God of the Old Testament. If Jesus had merely, uh, you know, wanted to say before uh, that he, he existed before, if he just wanted to say that he had existed before Abraham, he could have said, you know, before Abraham was, I was. Yeah? Well, he didn't say that. Because we notice that the, the Greek words for translated was in the case of uh, Abraham and the, the Greek word am in the case of Jesus are very different. And it brings us to the passage in John 1, verse 1, doesn't it? And we find that the words that were chosen by the Holy Spirit uh, uh, recording this make it clear that Abraham was brought into being. Before Abraham was, he was brought into being. But Jesus existed eternally. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Yeah? He was in the beginning. And we try to work out that logically, don't we? And we can't. But we accept it by faith that in the beginning, he existed. Jesus was. And so there's no doubt that the Jews understood what he was saying because they took up stones uh, to stone him to death because he was making himself equal with God. Such a statement, if it wasn't true, was blasphemy. And the punishment uh, prescribed by the Mosaic law was, was death by stoning. You would find that in, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 24, I think it is. But Jesus, in what he was declaring here, Jesus committed no blasphemy. Jesus was and is God. The second person of the Godhead, equal to the Father, in every way, Jesus is God. Tremendous thought, isn't it? Tremendous thought. And so, this morning, if Jesus is God, and he is, that has massive implications for everybody. Massive implications for us all. When Jesus speaks, 
what Jesus says, when Jesus speaks, it is God that is speaking. And so I think it's imperative, isn't it, that we pay attention to his word. And also here in this book of John, what he says, I am. What he refers to when he says, I am. And Jesus used the same phrase, I am, in 7, Gospel of John. And he combines these words, I am, with very powerful uh, <clears throat> relationships uh, towards, and all appear in the book of John. In John 6, he said, I am the bread of life. In John 8, I am the light of the world. In John 10, I am the door of the sheep. In John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 15, I am the true vine. And John 10, here 11, I am the good shepherd. I thought as I, I looked at those, and I'd done a bit of a study on those, and I made notes that would take a week to talk about. These I am studies are tremendous. Just to, to delve into them and see what Jesus really meant when he said things like, I am the bread of life and I am the true vine. I felt uh, the book, the, the verse in Acts 17 uh, come to my mind that we are so dependent on Jesus for everything, uh, starting with our very lives. All right? In Jesus, in him, we live and we move and we have our very being. We couldn't sit here today. We couldn't breathe or lift a, a, an arm or, or blink an eyelid without Jesus. In him we live and move and have our very being. And every breath that we take is a gift from him. Yeah? In him we live and move and have our being. John 10, 11, then, I am the good shepherd. We should understand that he says, I am the good shepherd. He doesn't say, I am a good shepherd, because those existed. There were, there were some good shepherds. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He is unique in his character, in his person. The Greek word, doesn't, uh, the translation doesn't really do it justice, good shepherd. The Greek word is the word kalos, K-A-L-O-S, translated good, but it describes that which is noble, that which is wholesome, that which is, is good, and that which is even beautiful. He is the good shepherd. And today we reflect on what Jesus meant when he said that. What did he really mean when he said, I am the good shepherd? And in, in particular, if he said, I am the good shepherd, what, what does the good shepherd do? Minds the sheep. That's right, Tony. The Jews knew all about bad shepherds. Yeah? The Old Testament prophets constantly castigated these um, bad leaders who 
uh, were more interested in, in feeding and caring for themselves than for God's people. Isaiah 40, I often think what these Jews must have longed for uh, was the promised messianic shepherd promised in the book of Isaiah chapter 40, one who would make God's love um, present. And in their minds, I often think, was this prophecy. See, the Lord comes. Yeah? The Lord comes. They knew that a Messiah was coming, but they didn't recognize him. Sad, isn't it? Behold, the Lord comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those with young. And so when Jesus said, I am <laughs> this good shepherd, I am the promised one, they knew, these Jews knew that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah, to to be making God present in their very midst. And they didn't accept it. They rejected him because Jesus was saying things are going to change. And as I said earlier, they knew um, what bad shepherds had done. And what Jesus goes on to tell them is what the good shepherd has come to do. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He goes on to tell them that he had come as the good shepherd to give his life a sacrifice for them, the sheep that he loves. But he'd also come to, to offer them sympathy because he saw them as sheep that needed a, a shepherd to, he saw them as people that needed a, a pastor, someone who would care for them. And he also had come to search for those who were lost. The sheep who as yet did not believe. He had come to seek and to save that which is lost. Aren't we glad about that, that Jesus came to save the lost? So now... I'm going to break this up a wee bit. I'm going to give you a puzzle, right? It's going to be something come on the screen, and I'm going to ask if anybody knows what it represents. It's going to be a number. <clears throat> Hands up, anyone. I would say that anybody under 30 wouldn't recognize what that meant. No? Not the date, Tony, no. Give you a clue, maybe. What's the connection? Sorry? Dolly the sheep. Yeah? Anybody remember Dolly the sheep? All over 30 would remember Dolly the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> It was over 20 years ago <clears> that we heard about the news about Dolly the sheep. Yeah? 
She, she was nicknamed Dolly. You know why she was called Dolly? She was nicknamed after Dolly Parton. For the life of me, I could never see her resemblance. Now, some of you might think that the sheep looks as pretty as Dolly Parton, but uh, the sheep certainly couldn't sing like Dolly Parton. But anyway, it's over 20 years ago. Uh, six double L three, as she was scientifically known, was born on the 5th of July, 1996. Uh, for some people, it was a, a big issue at the time, breaking new ground in the whole area of, of cloning and with all the implications that that carried, both, I don't know, positive and negative. And for some of us, maybe it was less important couldn't understand what all the fuss is about, all sheep look alike anyway. So what's so important and what's so um, groundbreaking by just creating another sheep that was the same as the next one? But were we, were we as some people propose playing at being God by um, manipulating DNA, the, the very stuff that that we're, that we're made of. But, as I say, that was over 20 years ago. Cloning, I don't know, haven't heard much about it, but I'm sure it's moved on. But, but that image uh, remains with, with some of us. Point I'm making is that technically, Dolly didn't have a name, yeah? She had a number. That's how she was scientifically identified. And by the way, she died after living six years. Well, she was actually euthanized. Yeah, she was put to sleep after six years, which is about half of her lifespan because of a chronic lung disease and ended up um, crippled with arthritis. Yeah. So much for playing God. But Dolly uh, didn't have a name. She had a number, 6LL3. That's how she was identified. When we come to Matthew 10, we find out that Jesus knows us more intimately. Yeah? He tells us that he knows each one of us by name. Even the hairs on her head are numbered. Yeah? Isn't that interesting? Every time I brush my hair, I have less hair. So every day I have less hair, but God knows how many hairs in my head right now. And yours. That's how intimately he knows us. And he knows us by name. Yeah. And he calls each one of us by our name. Jesus knows us intimately. And calls each one of us, not just by our name. But Jesus calls us to follow him. I hope <clears throat> this morning in some way that you will hear the voice of God, the voice of Jesus calling you. He's your good shepherd. He's calling you into the best that he has for you. I trust that you hear his voice even as we speak this morning. I hope 
you hear his voice over and above my voice. My voice isn't important, but Jesus' voice is most important. And Jesus' care for his sheep as a good shepherd, as I said, is, is perfect, is total, it's absolute. Uh, he shepherds a flock at the cost of, of laying down his, his life for them. And it's because of that this morning. It's because he laid down his life for the sheep. It's because of that around, around the table this morning. And, you know, when, when we were breaking bread and I, I sat down and I watched the queue and I thought, you know, how much pleasure that must bring to the Lord to see people who want to, to remember him. And it's because of the Lord's table this morning, I felt that the this, this subject of the Good Shepherd is so uh, appropriate. Philippians 1 verse 6, in laying down his life for us, in being the Good Shepherd, Jesus says that he will never leave us. Yeah? He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Unlike the the bad shepherds, unlike the, the fickle uh, kings of the Old Testament who were often, as I said, more interested in themselves and their own power and glory, or unlike the hired hands who cleared off, who ran away at the first sight of danger, Jesus will never let us down. He will never leave us. And that's why we can be confident of this one thing, yeah, being confident of this one thing, that he who has begun a good work on us will carry it out in completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's encouraging, isn't it? That Jesus will look after us every single moment of every day of our lives. And he will bring us safely uh, to the end. So Jesus says to us that we, we should be able because of his care for us, we should be able to recognize his voice. We should be able to hear his voice when he speaks to us. Even among all the other noises that might be in your head, above and beyond all of that, Jesus expects us to hear his voice speaking to us. Sometimes we hear Jesus' voice in the things we hear at church, like today. Most of the time, we will hear the voice of Jesus as we read his word. Yeah, that's so important. This is where you hear the voice of Jesus. So important to read the word of God. Sometimes you might hear it almost audibly, that, that Jesus is, you feel that Jesus is really speaking to you. You say, how do you know it's Jesus? Well, you know, I suggest to you, especially if you're a new believer, not long saved, and, and you, you, you think that you hear that Jesus is speaking to you, that you hear the voice of God in some way, you chat that over with some of the leaders, yeah? Because sometimes, sometimes the voice of the Lord can be mistaken for other voices. And so it's good uh, to talk about that uh, with other um, 
under shepherd leaders uh, within the church who have uh, that bit more maturity and could maybe help you in that way. Some of us have been called. <clears throat> First Peter 5, verse 2 to 4 tells us that some of us have heard uh, the voice of the Lord and the call to be shepherds in a position of leadership within the church. How, how can we do that well? How can we be good shepherds within the church? God has high expectations for those who oversee and serve him as under-shepherds. And we will one day give an account of that. That's how serious it is. We will one day give an account to the chief shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. He's the great shepherd. We are under-shepherds. And we will one day give account to the chief shepherd. So it's a serious a position to be in. And we will give an account of how we have shepherded his flock. Yeah? And here we, uh, we struggle sometimes and we wonder, you know, how can we do this well? You know, it'd be great to have a, a set of, it'd be great to have a blueprint for this. Wouldn't it be great if we could only find a, a verse of Scripture somewhere that would tell us how God expects us to shepherd. If we could just have a blueprint, then, then that would be of great benefit, wouldn't it? If we could just find a verse that describes the way God shepherds and follow God's example of shepherding, that would be of great benefit, wouldn't it? Well, we have. We have a verse. Yeah? We have a verse that tells us exactly how God shepherds his people and how he expects us to shepherd his people. And it's found in Ezekiel 34, verse 15 to 16. God's speaking here about his people. And here's what he says, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. Yeah? I will search for the lost and bring, them, and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. That's our guide. That's our, that's our model. That's our standard for shepherding. This is how God shepherds his flock. I will... I myself will tend my sheep. A good shepherd is to be one who tends the sheep, who feeds the sheep. We feed the sheep. And I will have them lie down. Yeah, a good shepherd is a man or a woman of peace amongst the people. He causes them to lie down. I will search for the lost. Yeah, a good shepherd goes after the lost. And I will bring back the strays. Good shepherd goes after the backslider. I will bind up the injured. Good shepherd has to be a, a skillful surgeon at times, spiritually, and strengthen the weak. A good physician, a good surgeon. Plenty of 
uh, believers who have been injured and who are weak. The sleek and the strong I will destroy. Good shepherd protects the flock. And I will shepherd the flock with justice. <clears throat> so it's good to have the word of God as our guide in these uh, tremendous things. Having said that, I feel that shepherding, being a good shepherd, is incumbent uh, on all of us as followers of Jesus in all of life. We, we have to exercise a certain amount of good shepherding amongst our fellow believers. Yeah? Because we are to look after each other, as John 13 tells us, we have to love each other as Christ loved us. This is the best testimony in the world for the world to see that we love one another, that we, we care for one another, as good as we shepherd one another, we care for one another. Um, because we, we have one uh, good shepherd and we should be one. I was thinking, we have one shepherd and we, we should be one sheep herd. Yeah? We're all uh, together in that. And we're called to be as caring as Jesus was caring. And to be open to others as he was. And also to be a shepherd of those who are not like us. But to go out after them and out of a way to reach them and uh, to bring our beliefs and our faith so that they too will be gathered into the fold of God. So we have a good shepherd, yeah. Jesus is our good shepherd. We have a great shepherd. Uh, we find that in, in the book of Hebrews. And we have a chief shepherd in, in the book, uh, in Peter's epistle. Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, our great shepherd, our chief shepherd. And he calls us as his people, as his flock, not to, to ritual like the Jews were involved with here and traditions, but to relationship. Good Shepherd calls us to relationship. And it's in the relationship that he gets the glory, he gets the honor, he gets the praise, and we get the joy that we so desperately seek. And when we get to heaven one day, as we read earlier, he will take us right through this world, right through and bring us to heaven. And when we get to heaven, yeah, there will be no more religion. Uh, but what will remain is our relationship with the shepherd. And that will last for all eternity. And so I finished. What is our response? What's our challenge this morning? Our good shepherd, as he said earlier, expects us to hear his voice and to follow him, yeah? To react positively to, to his call when we hear his voice. So my question to you this morning is, what do you discern in his voice to you today? What do you hear Jesus saying to you this morning? What's, 
What's he calling you? How is he calling you? Is he calling you out of something? Is he calling you out of something that if, if, if you don't come out of it, it will damage you and will lead you away from fellowship with him and fellowship with other believers? Is he calling you out of something today? Or is he calling you into something today? Is he calling you into something that maybe you've been fighting against? Something that is good for you? Jesus will only call you into something that is good for you. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's something else. And you've been avoiding it. You've been fighting against it. Jesus said, hear my voice and follow me. He's your good shepherd. You have nothing to fear. He'll take you through it. He'll bring, he'll bring you into it and he'll bring you through it. And he'll be with you every step of the way. Something that will be good for you and lead you into the abundant life that he wants for you because a good shepherd only wants what's best for you. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you this morning for Jesus, our good shepherd. Thank you that Jesus, the good shepherd, gave his life for us. And here we are this morning, recipients of your grace and your mercy. Thank you for reminding us that we now have the righteousness of Christ. We pray you would help us this morning, Father, to hear your voice. Help us to discern the voice of the Lord this morning. Help us to know that this is the voice of the Lord. And to hear those words, follow me. Give us the grace, we pray, and the strength and the faith to do that, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.